What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Guys, you can subscribe and save 20% with a Strava Craft subscription. That's all you have to do. Subscribe and you'll receive 20% off on every single order and you'll never have to put in your credit card information again. It'll save that and you'll have the option of getting your coffee delivered straight to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at that 20% off price. Now, if you haven't tried Strava yet and you want to try it first before subscribing, use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your first purchase. And then once you fall in love with it, you can subscribe and save 20% on every single purchase after that. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is not only delicious coffee, but it packs that CBD punch and the CBD helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, anything that's going on it helps relieve and can also help relieve those coffee jitters. So make sure to check them out. Strava Craft Coffee, subscribe and save 20% on every single order. And if you want to try them out, use that magical code DNVR20 to save 20% off your first order. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Now is the time to apply and register for classes. MSU Denver Online wants you to fall in love with yourself for Valentine's Day. That's right. MSU Denver is offering free application fees to any and all students. That's $0 for your application fee. Doesn't matter if you're looking to get your undergrad, graduate, or take on online classes. So apply today through Sunday, which is Valentine's Day, and receive a free application fee. So make sure to check them out, MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what is shaking on this second official day of the offseason? Ah, well, everyone's zero and zero for a second day, of course. Uh, uh, Awoke to some sad news, of course, that uh, Marty Schottenheimer, former coach of Cleveland, Kansas City, uh, Washington and San Diego uh, passed away at the age of 77 due to uh, complications from Alzheimer's disease. He'd been battling that for nearly seven years since he was diagnosed in 2014. And, um, you know, you find yourself reflecting on the great games that Marty Schottenheimer's teams played with the Denver Broncos. Of course, he was the coach for a couple of those AFC championship games that the Broncos won back in the 80s. The, dr- the drive and then the fumble a year later by Ernest Biner. But you also think of uh, how, you know, how worthy a foe those Chiefs teams were for the Broncos back in the 1990s and uh, ditto for the Chargers in the 2000s. And, um, you know, he, the, the, one of the things that jumps out to me, Zach, thinking about Marty is how um, when, I, when I worked for the Broncos the first time back in the 2000s and Mike Shanahan was still the head coach, there were always kind of a handful of coaches whose teams – Mike Shanahan always got a little bit more up for because he respected those coaches so deeply. Like, for example, 
they, he had a chance to go against uh, Joe Gibbs coaching Washington. And I know Mike got up for that one because Joe Gibbs is a Hall of Famer. Always got up to go up against uh, the Chiefs when Dick Vermeil was coaching. And he always got always got for Bill Belichick, of course, and then always was a little bit more amped when his team went against a Marty Schottenheimer team. It was, you know, I think Marty, uh, I think Marty maximized the talent available to him at every stop better than almost any coach in the history of the game. I mean, just because he didn't win the big one doesn't mean he didn't accomplish a heck of a lot with those teams. And uh, who knows if the chargers hadn't uh, pulled the ripcord on him after going 14 and two and Oh six, he might've won the big one there. Eventually the chargers couldn't get done with North Turner. Maybe it would have been different if they'd held on to Marty Schottenheimer, who was a better coach than North Turner. So Sad, sad day, but uh, he's been struggling with with Alzheimer's for a while, of course, and uh, you know now he he and his family are free from that, and uh, now we're left with the with so many wonderful memories of um of the battles that the but that Marty Schottenheimer's teams had with the Broncos, and uh, Broncos won a lot of them, but you think back, and you know Marty Ball got hit his share of them as well. I mean, think back that great 1994 game on Monday Night Football, Joe Montana and John Elway. And Joe Montana and the Chiefs had the had the last strike to to win a heart stopping game. Tough for the Broncos to lose that, but a, a great game and just part of so many great memories uh, that come with Marty Schottenheimer and his coaching career. So, rest in peace, thoughts and prayers to his family and uh, all around football uh, who knew him and appreciated him. Yeah, absolutely, Mace. The entire football world is mourning with with that sad news, and our thoughts and, and prayers are with the the Schottenheimer family. And Patrick Smythe put out a a great stat, just saying how you can't talk about the Broncos' history without talking about Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, Patrick said that he played or he coached in thirty five games against the Broncos as a head coach. That's over two seasons. That is just wild. And Mace has any other coach coached four different franchises as their head coach wow that's a jumps out to me that is wild yeah uh let's see bill parcells coached the giants patriots jets and cowboys okay there you go there's another one uh, the thing and that's another coach who maximized what he had uh better than almost anybody in the history of the game. Of course, Bill Parcells is in the hall of fame. Bill Parcells also won two super bowls and got to another with the Patriots. And that was, and really the reason why Marty Schottenheimer is not in the hall of fame is just because his teams couldn't get it over the hump. But if, if coaching is maximizing what you have, getting the most out of the gifts of your players, then that's something that Marty Schottenheimer just did, did exceptionally well. And everywhere he went, the team got better. He he took over Cleveland in 1984 at midseason from Sam Tigliano and the Browns were one and eight. And they went and they ended up finishing the season with a, a five and 11 mark. And then he goes to uh, he, he goes to Kansas City. Kansas City literally has gone to the playoffs once in 18 years. Or, or in 17 years, pardon me, before Marty Schottenheimer shows up. And the one play appearance was one and done. Chiefs tickets were not a hot commodity when Marty Schottenheimer came in. And we, we, we think of the hordes of people at Arrowhead Stadium now and how it's always sold out. Zach, in the 80s, they had some crowds that were like 22,000, 30,000. 
<laughs> Arrowhead Stadium more than half empty for a lot of games in the 80s. And then Marty Schottenheimer and uh, his longtime friend and associate Carl Peterson came into Kansas City and they they changed that pretty quickly and they turned the Chiefs around. He goes to Washington. Washington starts that season 0-5. They go 8-3, and including a win over the Broncos at what was then in Vesco Field at Mile High, finish 8-8. Eight eight. There's falling out between him and Dan Snyder, and he leaves. Dan Snyder didn't want to be the GM anymore. I think that, that proved to be a mistake, not keeping Marty around. And then he goes to San Diego. San Diego had gone in the previous two seasons before Marty got there, 1-15 and 5-11. and and it took a little longer there. They go eight and eight that first year. Then they backslide to four and 12 that second year. But that third year, they draft Phillip Rivers, but Phillip Rivers is on the bench. Drew Brees really emerges. They go 12 and four, win the division, nine and seven, and then 14 and two after that with Phillip Rivers as the quarterback. Every, every place Marty went, he left the operation in better shape than when he arrived. Mm, that, yeah. And that is the mark of an outstanding coach. What did you do? Did you make the place better? Did you maximize your, your team? Did you make that team better? Did you make players better at every stop right until the end? Marty Schottenheimer did that. I just, I, I feel badly for him at, that he never got to really finish that job in San Diego because it looked like they were about, they were at the cusp of winning a title there in the next two or three years. And, uh, they let him go, and that was a. And part of it was Marty. Marty was a a tough, hard-minded individual, and he butted heads with people in the front office from time to time. And uh, that he he butted heads with Daniel Snyder in Washington. He butted heads with Art Modell, the owner of Cleveland, and that led to that association ending after the 1988 season. And he butted heads with AJ Smith and uh, Dean Spanos in San Diego, and that led to him. But that was part of him. He. You know, he was a very demanding person, but uh, a very, a very fair person as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. To, it's just interesting to look back and, you know, like, like you said, and like Patrick said, you can't, or, or, or somebody else said on Twitter as well. You can't tell the history of the Broncos without talking about Marty Schottenheimer, even though he never, never coached here. That's, yep. that's how, that's how profound an impact he had on the teams he played. And of course the Broncos being connected to them through so many great games. Yeah, and of course, Broncos also very, very connected with Alzheimer's, and yes. that's something that the Broncos are doing so much in right now, and and just a terrible disease that the Broncos know all too well. And hopefully that you know this can just raise more attention for it and continue to get more money. Is that as the Broncos are a lead lead cause for that, which is great that that they lead the charge. All on the same team on that one, and uh, I'm sadly. Uh... Uh, too late for Marty Schottenheimer and Pat Boland, but uh, hopefully uh, not too late for the, for people in the future for the work that uh, they've done to raise awareness and raise money and raise re and uh, and help research. And uh, you know, it's a it's a sad day, but uh, if the if the awareness and research results in a cure, then um, you know it will it will not have been in vain. Yes, exactly. You're exactly right. All right, Mace, let's look forward now to what the Broncos are going to do in the draft. And there was an interesting article put out there by PFF, a mock draft, and it caught our attention. Mace, tell us how it impacts the Broncos. Well, first, do you, do you want to know about the player or do you want to know how the Broncos get the player in this mock draft that's put oh, together by, by Mike Renner of PFF? I want to know both. So, so I imagine what do you want the, Bron know first? the Broncos. What do you want to know first? 
Well, I'm curious about the Broncos, what, what they do to get this player. Cause it sounds to me like they're not staying at nine. They're not, they're trading up, oh. but they're trading up two spots with okay. the Detroit lions and they're getting the fourth quarterback on the board. Oh, they're getting Trey Lance of North Dakota mm. state. And here's how Mike Renner frames it. This isn't giving up on drew lock. It's admitting he hasn't been good enough. Lance isn't necessarily the guy you want to start year one, but he's got the tools required to open up the Denver Broncos offense. And it's, it's funny that we just got done talking about Marty Schottenheimer because with the chargers, of course they picked Philip rivers in 04 after coaching him at the senior bowl. And then because Drew Brees stepped it up a notch, Drew Brees held off Philip Rivers for two seasons before leaving in free agency. So there, if you the Broncos made a pick like this, Zach, there could be echoes of that Breeze Rivers dynamic in play if you had Drew Locke and Trey Lance, and how long Drew Locke held off Trey Lance would basically depend on how drew lock evolved and then what would you do when drew locks contract retired or expired would you move on from him uh, kind of like the chargers did they moved on from breeze and went with philip rivers in 06 or would you keep him around and try to trade trey lance it's also kind of the uh, you know the, the arrows in the quiver basic theory in that okay the, if you have enough arrows eventually one is going to hit the bullseye you wouldn't be giving up on drew lock because clearly I don't think Trey Lance is going to be ready to play in year one. He's only started one full season in North Dakota State. He's incredibly raw, talented, yes, but incredible. He, he's got to work on his footwork. He's got to see the field a bit better. It's not going to be nearly as easy uh, in the NFL, obviously, after working at FCS at North Dakota State. So he's, he's a long way off. I don't think you would want Trey Lance starting in year one at all, but he is intriguing. And, Zach, we know that George Payton, in all likelihood, already done his homework on 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 Trey Lance because one thing that distinguishes the Vikings scouting in particular is doing a great deal of diligence on home region players from smaller schools so players from schools the small schools in Minnesota Iowa and the Dakotas are guys that the Vikings traditionally know very well and they found some talent that way Adam Thielen in particular uh, out of Minnesota state is the, is the most prominent current example. So, you know, that George Payton, even before he came to Denver probably has taken more than a long look at Trey Lance and has gotten some Intel on Trey Lance. So that's why I don't think you can dismiss this possibility offhand here. Mace, there is just so much to break down with this. Mace, when you, when you say Trey Lance to the Broncos at seven, how do you think I feel about that? You wish they would take Mac Jones. <laughs> well, they, there is a fourth quarterback on the board, and that would be Mac Jones right there. But, Mace, I absolutely love this. I, I would love this because it shows maybe the biggest commitment that the Denver Broncos have ever had to a quarterback, ever. Think about that. Now, you can make an argument with Jay Cutler with the Broncos trading up twice to get him, that, that he would compete in there. But outside of that, taking Paxton Lynch in the 20s is not a big commitment. Getting Peyton Manning here for $20 million, that's not a big commitment. He's Peyton Manning. Like John Elway. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, <laughs> they traded for him right after the draft, right, but they right. gave, they gave up a couple of first round picks, including Chris Hinton, who they'd already taken. Now that deal remains one of the great steals in NFL history, but yeah. Okay. But we can say since John Elway, since John Elway, I, I how about that? I think certainly that is the case, even though you'd be keeping Drew Locke around Drew, Drew Locke, Drew Brees. It's you know funny how these things kind of echo and you'd, uh, <laughs> And if Drew Locke did well, it'd be fa- it would be fascinating to watch. But you know, you know me, Zach. I'm somebody who it's audacious, but I would keep picking quarterbacks until I found the guy, and I would go heavy, heavy, heavy into that until finding the guy. It's I, I'm not somebody who is simply saying, "Oh, we've got a quarterback here, but he's not proven he is the long-term franchise guy, so we're going to protect him, and we're not going to." Uh, continue to try to build that room i'm kind of the opposite and a member uh, people who listen to orange and blue 760 back in uh in 2018 i'm sure recall me talking about uh taking a quarterback high after the broncos signed case keenum and if keenum was the franchise guy you trade the surplus and if the young quarterback ends up stepping in you trade case keenum and you know i'll always trade the surplus so that's that's kind of where i stand on this and I'm fine with drafting Trey Lance as long as you are not in, in of the mind that Trey Lance is going to play in year one. And this, he is among the, among the top prospects to come through Zach. In my, in my opinion, he is the biggest project as a first round quarterback that I, I've seen. I would even say a bigger project than Josh Allen was coming out. He's, you know, and the one season as a starter that scares you a little bit. Bill Parcells would probably not have Trey Lance on his board because Bill Parcells famously liked to pick starters who are quarterbacks who had years of starting experience in college. Bill Parcells would probably go with a Drew Locke would like Drew Locke. So <laughs> yeah. th- there, there are so many, there are so many levels to this, but I think it's interesting that you Zach, cause you are Mr. Mac Jones. And by the way, in this mock draft, Mac Jones lasts all the way to the 28th pick. Hmm. And becomes a New Orleans Saint. Yeah, that's not good. That's yeah. not good. He will thrive there. He will thrive there and in New England at least. It's also interesting that that would mean that the New England Patriots passed on him. Right. And surely Bill Belichick will know everything about Mac Jones from his good buddy Nick Saban. Yep. So that that in of itself is interesting if, if that happens, unless the Patriots find their quarterback here in the next couple of months. There are actually some... Marcus Mariota Patriots rumors floating out there right now. They might trade for Mariota mm. and bring him in. Yeah. It'd be a very, very Patriots move. Yeah, and Mace, so. I, I, I don't necessarily love this because of the player of if it's Trey Lance, I love this regardless of what player it is. If the Broncos move up in the first round to take a quarterback, I love it because I love the commitment that's there to the quarterback. And to me, I, Totally disagree with Mike Remmers. I'm so sorry. Uh, but no, this is giving up on Drew Locke entirely, no matter mm-hmm. what quarterback. If you take a quarterback at nine, it's giving up on Drew Locke. If you take a quarterback in the first round and you move up to do it, it is absolutely giving up on Drew Locke. Now, when you give up on someone, can they can they come back and absolutely shock you and, and win your love back? Sure. Yeah, but odds are that that's not going to happen. The organization with this move is telling you that they do not believe that's going to happen. Mace, in fact, I think we may have already seen enough and heard enough 
from the Broncos being interested in Matthew Stafford being willing to give up first round pick uh, and even potentially Drew Locke. I think we've heard enough that that this is the way the Broncos are feeling. So not only would I love this this move by the Broncos trading up and selecting any of the quarterbacks in, in the first round, but it's also not a shocking, shocking move here. Now, to move up two spots, Mace, what are we talking about? Just giving up nine and a third round pick? Probably. That it's it, the, the cost is probably pretty minimal in terms of, dra- in terms of draft capital. It may not even be – it may be a third round pick like you mentioned. I think worst case scenario is that it's a second round pick, but perhaps uh, you could, if you really want to have that pick this year, you could get away with uh, – you could get away with with not uh, giving away this year's pick. It could be it could be next year's selection, for example. Even though I think that's going to be a deeper overall draft when all is said and done. Of course, the other thing that looms over this is if you go quarterback and a quarterback who is clearly likely to sit for most of year one. I mean, if he did play as a rookie, if Lance did get out there, I would expect it might look a lot like Steve McNair back in 1995 when the then Houston Oilers drafted him out out of Alcorn State. And what they did with McNair was kind of like Trey Lance, making that huge level jump from what was then Division I AA to the NFL. A lot of tools, but very raw. So they played him the last two games of his rookie season. Then he went back to the bench and they played him the last two games of his second season before making the full-time starter in year three in this day and age, Zach, I don't think you do that because one of the great assets that you can have is the cost control quarterback. Mm -hmm. And we're all drinking. Yes, exactly. Hope it's orange juice or something like that. Or (laughs) I hope you're not on the road. And because, because the, the cost control quarterback is so valuable in terms of overall team construction, you can't afford to sit that rookie quarterback for more than a year and, and does Trey Lance need some time? Yes. But in 2021, a different environment than 1995, I don't think he would sit for more than that first season. And then the question would become, all right, what did Drew Locke do? Was it enough to where there's some significant trade value for him? Or, I mean, then the other alternative is that the Broncos have a very good season and Drew Locke is the reason why then Lance doesn't see the field at all. Then what do you do if you're the Broncos? Is it a case where you feel like you're going to sell high on Drew Locke after the season and maybe get more than you anticipate? There are a lot of things in play, but I think you're exactly right. The Broncos do draft a quarterback in the first round this year. They're doing so with the intent that he's going to be the guy. It will just be a matter of time. Kind of like in San Diego, it was two years that Drew Brees held off Phillip Rivers. But the moment they drafted Phillip Rivers, the clock was starting on Drew Brees, no matter how well he did. Yep, exactly. You're exactly right. Because like you said, Drew Brees turned it around and the Chargers still said, yeah, well, you you showed us a year too late because now we have Phillip Rivers here. And so thanks for all you've done these past two years and making us better. But now you're out the door. So Mason, the question is, what does the quarterback room look like for the Broncos? I mean, is it... 
is Trey Lance the competition uh, or do they want a veteran in the room in order to help guide Trey Lance? And I mean, the way we see the quarterback market right now, if Sam Darnold is really going for a first plus and Carson Wentz is going for a first plus, these are guys that are surrounded by Drew in the statistics rankings and stuff. Now, I do think that they would be able to trade for more because both first round picks, both high first round picks uh, and, and both teams would be able to sell themselves on their potential more than drew but i mean mace if you're able to get a second round pick just stick with that same idea that okay the the eagles uh are able to get a first round pick for carson Wentz. he was a first round pick same with the jets well why can't if the broncos can get a second round pick for drew lock i do that in a heartbeat and then you're out on the market right after the draft trying to bring in any veteran quarterback well here's the thing i think they will have already brought in the veteran before right. i think there's a veteran coming in march no matter what yeah and depending on what kind of veteran it is, it's important to note that if it's a bridge type of quarterback or even a hedge with upside, it's not going to take the Broncos completely out of the round one quarterback discussion. Now, I think if this PFF scenario came to pass, depending on who the hedge is, let's say that that veteran hedge is Mitchell Trubisky, who's played on a Vic Fangio team before. And of course in 2018, Great defense, Trubisky doing just enough. Bears went 12-4 and and won the NFC North. But I think what is a possibility, not a a likelihood, but a possibility, is that when you see this this value here, and, you know, as I tweet out on Sunday, if Darnold is worth around one pick, what is a guy who had a higher passer rating, higher QBR, better PFF grade, and better touchdown-interception ratio worth? All those for this past year. Something to something to think about, quite frankly, when you look <laughs> at the case of Drew Locke versus Sam Darnold. But I think one potential outcome, if the Broncos did go quarterback in round one, is that as you get in the second day of the draft, they did that they would trade Drew Locke and perhaps try to get a third round pick back. Right. Right. You're exactly right. Oh, Mace, how about this? So the the Broncos are trading from nine to seven with the Detroit Lions. Detroit has their quarterback for right now, but what if they wanted a developmental guy behind them? What if you trade nine and drew lock in order to move up to seven? I mean, uh, for, and, and, and I'm not saying, you know, get rid of drew lock any way you can, but if you're getting a quarterback in the first round, it's very clear that you're moving in a different direction. And so if you're moving in a different direction and all you have to give up is drew lock in your first pick in order to move up to get your next guy, that, that's a win-win if you're the Broncos, in my opinion, and if you're the Lions. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't like kind of talking about sort of this hypothetical of trading Drew Locks. I think it might be a little bit unfair to him, but you know, football isn't always fair uh, in, in how these things go. And uh, even though he'd be a clear backup in that type of scenario, you might be doing him a little bit of a favor because you don't have the heir apparent there. And it's, you know, he's clearly a backup, but he's, you know, he, he's got he's got some more time to develop if you do draft a guy i mean i, I would feel bad imagine imagine if true luck looks around and sees a quarterback room of um of let's just say tyrod taylor somebody somebody who can clearly be a starter mitchell trubisky someone who has been a starter and i know that broncos fans may shudder at this but again this is sort of what would vic fangio do what would vic fangio think Tyrod Taylor is a mistake-free quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky is someone he's seen up close. So Drew Locke looks around the room and sees a, a Taylor or a Trubisky, guys who've actually guided teams to the playoffs, 
he sees a Trey Lance. What are you thinking there? I mean, you've 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 literally got somebody who could come take your job in the short term, and somebody who was drafted to take your job in the long term. Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it, it now you've stacked the room, and and one thing that is interesting about the Vikings, while George Payton was on the staff, there is how they sometimes would overfill the quarterback room a little bit if they had like an injury concern or that sort of thing. I mean, there was a there's a year 2017 they were still waiting to get Bridgewater back and they had Bridgewater in there they had Sam Darnold in there they had Case Keenum in there I now he had injury concerns both Bridgewater and Darnold but the Vikings got to a point where they would rather have too much as opposed to not enough right and it is that something that George Payton starts thinking about with the Broncos the other thing here if you do trade a ticket, Trey Lance, it's a long-term pick, and there are other. That means you've probably left other needs unfilled, and that's where you, you look at what they do in free agency. I mean, if, if the Broncos go into free agency and sign a corner, if they if they look at a Patrick Peterson, Ooh, if they look sign at sign me up, yeah, I, I I I'll tell you what, I am intrigued by bringing in a P, even though they're they're older in their thirties, I'm intrigued by Peterson, I'm intrigued by Richard Sherman as well. Sherman yes. in particular, I think, would be a wonderful scheme fit for what Vic Fangio wants to do. He would be. And a great teacher for young cornerbacks in that room. But if you do that, if, if you make one of those moves, even though you probably let go of A.J. Boye, you bring a, a veteran corner in, you have Bryce Callahan back. We know they're high on Michael Ojemudia and Isang Bassi coming back from the ACL. At that point, they might feel like they have a cornerback room that they can work with. Right. Not exactly. necessarily – have to go for Sertan or Farley in round one, even though I would expect they like both Sertan and Farley enough to potentially pick them. But the quarterback need, if they if the Broncos perceive a need and perceive a chance to get a guy they have a conviction on, that trumps everything else. Mace, we're going to have a huge idea going into the draft of exactly who the Broncos are targeting, at least what position where we haven't had that uh, exact knowledge in years, because if they do go out and spend some big time money on a cornerback, mm -hmm. probably eliminates the pressing need. If the backup quarterback is really, or if the quarterback they bring in a free agency is really, truly a hedge, well, then they could draft a quarterback in the draft. And man, just the, the idea of Trey Lance is it's honestly the it would be the Broncos version of Patrick Mahomes and what I mean by that is Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first quarterback taken in the draft he was not uh, a top five pick no the what the Chiefs did was they went out and identified a guy that they loved and they, they based it off of, you know, his physical traits, what they saw on film. They didn't base it off him winning national championships and him having a great record down at Texas Tech because that simply wasn't the case. Patrick Mahomes was putting up points, no doubt. He was slinging the ball all over, but he wasn't a winner. He wasn't winning national championship games, and and I don't think that's right or wrong to, to judge it on that, but they based it off what they thought he could develop with his talents, and that's exactly what the Broncos would be doing with Trey Lance. He wouldn't be the first quarterback taken, likely wouldn't even be the second or third quarterback taken, not a top five pick, but the Broncos would identify this is a guy that we can mold into being an elite quarterback because he has the tools. And by the way, his tape pretty darn good as well. 67% completion. His, his one year that he played 28 touchdowns, 
zero interceptions. That is just wacky. Uh, he threw for 2,700 yards and, of course, added 1,100 rushing yards to go along with that. So, I mean, when you watch the film, when you look at the stats, Trey Lance has all of the tools. The biggest question, and kind of similar to kind of similar to what the Chiefs had to evaluate, was okay. What's it mean going at North Dakota State playing uh, against those opponents? Is this something that can translate to the NFL? And the Chiefs were able to say, yes, he was playing at Texas Tech, and that was able to translate to the NFL. You just have to identify, and that that is the money question with Trey Lance's can he be this good or can, can he be good? Can these traits translate? Can he have the mental capacity to translate these traits to the NFL going up against incredibly tougher competition? And what's interesting, you mentioned the zero interception season that he had in 2019. Of course, North Dakota State scheduled that one-off game last October against Central Arkansas. There wasn't a season and they knew that if they had a spring season, Trey Lance wasn't going to be a part of it. So basically they scheduled a showcase for, for Trey Lance against whatever opponent they could find. And he threw an interception against central Arkansas. And it was probably in terms of passing his worst game, 15 of 30, a buck 49, two touchdowns, one pick sack three times. He also ran for 143 yards and two scores in that game, averaging nine and a half yards a carry. So personally, I don't put much on that game because clearly there's rust issues of preparation involved. And I mean, look, you're, you're the North Dakota state players and you're going out there and playing just this one-off game. We haven't ever seen anything like that in college football, a team gathering for one game just to showcase the guy for NFL scouts really. And that's it. But it also, I think shows that, uh, there, there are some things he's, he's got to overcome. I mean, when I, when I went back and watched that game, again, that's where I had a, a few concerns. I, I, th- I thought the footwork was inconsistent, and I think he needs, to, he needs to work on that. He's going to have to clearly up his game in terms of reading defenses because he hasn't seen anything coverage-wise and talent-wise like he's going to see in the NFL. All of these things are why, you, if you draft him, you are putting him on – you know, dare I say the Patrick Mahomes plan, the Steve exactly. McNair plan, you are, you are sitting him and letting him watch. And the thing is, if you've got Drew Locke and Drew Locke is starting for you, fans are going to call for the backup. The interesting thing is if you had Drew Locke, a hedge and Trey Lance, fans might be calling for Trey Lance, but that hedge should be most, most likely to go in, yep. which, is, which is sort of why I think maybe what you said about, if you pick Trey Lance, do you trade Drew Locke? That's something that might gain a little bit of traction if the right offer comes the Broncos way. And Mace, one of the reasons why the Chiefs were able to sit Patrick Mahomes for an entire year, of course, until week 17 when they had uh, everything locked up for the playoffs and then they played him against the Broncos. The reason they were able to do that is because Alex Smith was balling. He was legitimately playing at an MVP caliber level that season. He he was just, right. he was so good. And so you're right. It, you would love to do that with Trey Lance and that would be the ideal path for Trey Lance, even though you really never see that in the NFL anymore. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, 
in recent was such an anomaly that they were able to sit him. But again, it's because of how good Alex Smith was playing, how good that team was that they could sit him. But with the Broncos, if Drew Locke comes out and struggles like he did for the majority of last year, then it's going to be really, really hard if he is your starter and you don't really have a backup because your backup is Trey Lance. It's going to be really hard to keep him off the field. And if that's what he needs the most is to sit, then Mace, to me, this says that you have to bring in a legit backup, a legit hedge quarterback. Now, probably not, you're probably not looking at a guy with upside. You're probably not going with a Jameis Winston, a Marcus Mariota, even a Mitchell Trubisky. You're probably not going with, because when you bring in a guy with upside, you think, okay, he can get us through this year, but then also maybe there's a chance he turns into something. You're not looking for him to turn into something, but also you have to pick this backup quarterback before the draft, like you said, May. So it's all very interesting. And that's again, why I would love this is because it would show me that the Broncos had a plan all off season. And this is a plan for the long term. And boy, that would, I mean, I would just love that if George Payton had something like that. Uh, And so to me, why, why would you keep Drew here if you're going to bring in uh, a hedge that can start, and then you're also going to trade up into the first round? I think it's, it's more so along the lines of what you're saying, Mace, it's really just not fair to, to Drew and the NFL isn't fair. So if that's what happens, oh, well, but it would give him a better opportunity to be somewhere else in this case. Yeah, and the other thing that I come back to, I say that word conviction a lot, having a conviction about a quarterback. You know, the Broncos were happy to get Drew Locke, no doubt. But if they had a real conviction on him, they probably wouldn't have sat back and waited as long as they did to see if he fell into the 40s. They they would have probably made a move to make sure that they got him earlier. Right. If you have a conviction on a guy, if you believe, and I don't think, I think Paxton Lynch was almost like, okay, we got to get somebody. We got to get, we got to have a young guy in. Yeah. They cl- and, they, and they clearly had not done their homework on Paxton Lynch as has been revealed over time and how little they talked to him leading up to the draft. So you have these situations where they just responded to how the board fell at quarterback and said, oh, well, this guy's there. Let's go. Let's see if we can get him at that moment. If you move up even a couple of picks for a quarterback, you're saying you have a conviction on him. You believe that he is going to be the guy. And if you have that belief and it is strong enough, then you got to go. Then you go, then it's okay to go all in. It maybe it doesn't work out. I mean, you just, you hope it's not Trubisky with the Bears, even though it wasn't. It wasn't that unsuccessful for the Bears. No, it really wasn't. I and mean, Trubisky yeah. wasn't that bad. He has a two to one touchdown to interception yeah. ratio. I think he 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 gets knocked. He gets knocked because the Bears they had a conviction on the wrong guy. Because if they trade up and pick Deshaun Watson, people are saying, "Wow, what a great move!" It's 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 how if you were the Bears, it's how did you look at this and see that Trubisky was better than Deshaun Watson. I, I excuse Patrick Mahomes from that because a lot of people, not a lot of people thought Patrick Mahomes would do anything resembling what he's done. Right. Uh, th- that's the tip of the cap to, to the chiefs are really having an eye, having a set of eyes that no one else did. Exactly. But, yeah. If you have that belief, if you say uh, it doesn't, and whether it's, whether it's Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, or Justin Fields, or, I mean, dare I say, you go audacious and 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 give the Jags a call about Trevor Lawrence. If no. you, about the number one pick. If you have that strong conviction 
and you believe in yourself, you do what it takes to make sure you get that quarterback. You, you don't wait to see how the board falls. You take control. You don't sit back and be passive and reactive. You have to be bold, especially when I do think we're looking at a scenario where these four quarterbacks this year do go in the first in the first eight picks. I mean, me, my convictions on Sam Howell, and I would be putting pieces in place to where if Drew Locke doesn't work out, then I can go move to the top of the draft and get Sam Howell next year put together enough capital to where it wouldn't hurt as much to try to go to, to go to number one overall. But that's, but you know, that's my conviction. If the Broncos have a conviction on any of these guys, do it. Yep. If they believe that strongly because they haven't believed that strongly in a quarterback prospect, at least uh, one that they've, they brought in, in, in a long, long time. They certainly didn't believe in Paxton Lynch to that degree. Didn't believe in Drew Locke to that degree. If they believe in Trey Lance, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields to that degree, do it. And then just trust that they're getting that they that they get this right. Just hope, just hope and pray as a Bronco fan that that conviction was warranted. And we're not talking about a bust. And that's exactly where I am, Mace. I'm not personally sold on Trey Lance. I love his upside and, and potential. There's no doubt about that. I, I'm he's not off my board by any means. But man, if the Broncos did this, I would love it because that would tell me that they are 100% sold on him. And then I'd say, okay, they think this guy it has all these tools and that he has it to develop those. Holy cow, what did the Broncos just get? And then the plan is there. I would love it. I would be all for it. And that's the first time I've ever said, you know, I would love drafting Trey Lance is because this would make so much sense. And now if the Broncos stayed at nine and drafted Trey Lance, I would pretty much feel this way as well, because it's not like from nine to seven is a massive jump, Mm -hmm. but man, you go to seven, heck you go to eight and, and you trade to eight. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with this pick. And I really only think the Broncos are going to be trading up for a quarterback. So if there is a trade up, man, it's just, it shows me that they are sold on the guy. And that commitment there is something I love. And I think the key is of course, trading up because maybe you have to jump Carolina in the, in, in a draft sitting there at number eight, depending on what they've done, because Carolina is a team that also, clearly isn't happy with its quarterback situation as evidenced by like the Broncos. They were in on Matthew Stafford. And they were really him. in on Matthew Stafford. Yes. Holy smokes. I think the, the offer came out this weekend that they offered their eighth overall pick Teddy Bridgewater, who is just a, a better quarterback, at least for the, the short term than drew lock and yes. a third or a fifth round pick, I think. And that wasn't enough for the lions to take that offer. So, and also Mace, the, the, the Panthers have a pretty good bridge quarterback right now, Teddy Bridgewater, where Trey Lance to them could make a lot of sense. Yeah, it, he really does. It, it, their situation it actually fits Trey Lance perfectly if they stood pat and got him. Now, in this mock draft from PFF, they have the Panthers moving up to number four, which is interesting because that means trading with the Atlanta Falcons. Are the Falcons going to make a trade with a team in their own division that allows that team to get their quarterback. I have my doubts about that. But in this mock, PFF has the the Panthers going from eight to four and taking Justin Fields and has Zach Wilson of BYU going off the board number two. So two quarter or three quarterbacks in the first four selections in this mock draft. I, I like the idea of the Panthers moving up. 
I just don't know if it's if it's possible in that trade. I think it's more likely that they would deal if anybody if they would deal that they would deal with Miami at three or Cincinnati at number five if things stay as they are. If they deal with Miami at three, then you could see quarterbacks go one, two, three at the top of the draft, which may raise the stakes if the Broncos love Trey Lance to kind of move up even farther uh, than, than the number seven. If they if it's at five, then it's a little more reasonable. The Broncos could 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 only have to move up a couple of picks, but really very interesting. And the other thing that's interesting about this mock, uh, Zach, is you take a look at the composition of the first eight picks here, okay? Quarterback, quarterback, offensive tackle, Panay Sewell, quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end. And that tight end, of course, is Kyle Pitts at number eight. These are all passing game people. Yeah. Panay Sewell, that blinds that that uh, that left tackle that you want. Although if he goes to Miami, as is the case here, wouldn't necessarily be a blindside protector for two Tugamailoa, but still very important. But you have a tackle, you have a you have four quarterbacks, two wide receivers, and then a tight end who may be the best pass catching prospect at tight end that we've seen in a generation. Yeah, exactly. That, does that not tell you where the game is headed? Yeah, and where the game is. And what the number one thing is, you don't you don't get into defensive guys in this mock draft until 9, 10, 11, 12. And it's Micah Parsons, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan, and Quiddy Pay from, from Michigan. It's really interesting to me. It just it shows what what matter what truly matters in the game right now. Yep. And it would not and PFF has some mocks that are out there. Yeah. This mock draft, this actually isn't out there. This no. one actually makes sense in a lot of ways. I agree. I, I totally agree. And can never forget PFF was the first one to mock Drew Locke to the Broncos in the second round. Yeah. Ryan and I thought it was absolute hogwash. Couldn't believe it. And then look what happened. So tip of the cap to PFF for that. And Mace, this this trade, looking at exactly what you said, that the first defensive player is not off the board till number nine with Detroit. This trade just makes so much sense for Detroit to do with the Broncos because if they want the best defensive player in the draft and they're at seven and every single defensive player is still on the board, well, they if if the Broncos are trading up, they know that the Broncos are probably getting a quarter back in that trade. So they know all they have to do is have no one take the top defensive player at eight, and they can they can trade back, potentially pick up Drew Lock, potentially pick up a third round pick by trading back, and then they get the first defensive player off the board. And that that in this mock draft is Micah Parsons, which which I can totally understand why they would do that. That is just, I mean, this this makes a lot of sense and. Uh, I'm looking at this and I don't see any bad picks, at least in the top 10 or any picks that make me scratch my head with the way PFF has constructed this. Well, the Micah Parsons one and so on some level is interesting because there are significant character questions on Micah Parsons. And I imagine that maybe a third to half of the teams in the league are simply not going to have Micah Parsons on their board. Wow. Because I mean, you, I mean you you've heard I mean you've probably like heard uh, about some of the things. Of course, he had you know he had he had a fight um, with Isaiah Humphreys of Penn State, and and according to according to, to police reports, you have Parsons literally choking Humphreys. Wow! And then Humphreys, in response, pulls out a pocket knife. Uh, Holy to smokes! It. 
And, and according to a report that ESPN had, Parsons starts this by pouring water on Humphreys in the, in the academic center at Penn State. Some of the water gets on Humphreys' laptop and phone. That's bad, as you know. You don't, you don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. And so Humphreys pours Gatorade on Parsons, and then he throws a punch. Parsons throws a punch and then Parsons starts trying to choke Humphreys. I mean, neither one of these guys looks particularly good, but why are you pouring water on your teammates, <laughs> laptop and phone? That makes What's no the, sense. I'm sorry. What's and, and there are other things with Micah Parsons as well, but I, I look at them like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, that uh, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, uh, I mean, and and there are and there are other things as well. I mean, you it, you don't have to uh, you you don't have to dig you don't have to dig very deep uh, very deep into this. It's like okay, there's you know there's allegations of al- of alcohol abuse uh, uh, on Parsons' resume. I mean. There are some teams that are going to just going to say, okay, cross them off. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Micah Parsons drops. Yeah. In fact, I'll actually say here, Parsons is incredibly talented, but the first, the first play, the first player off the board defensively is going to be a cornerback. So it's going to be either Farley or Sertan. I think Parsons is going to fall. Yeah. And I mean, Ryan and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, just if, if it isn't Micah Parsons uh, or if Micah Parsons is there, that may just from a Broncos standpoint may not even make the most sense uh, anyways. And Parsons may not make sense for teams that don't have a strong locker room with a strong culture and strong leadership culture as well. In other words, if the Broncos had Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware in that room, right. I'd feel comfortable with them rolling the dice on somebody as talented, but apparently troubled as Parsons with the way the locker room is right now. Still, I mean, you've got some leaders developing, but still it's not, it's not close to where it was when you had D Ware and Peyton in that room. I don't think you can, you have the locker room right now to take on Micah Parsons. I think that's going to be a risk. Like it's even though it's interesting to hear rumblings about Russell Wilson and stuff in Seattle, a team like Seattle, now that they have the picks, but that would make more sense for in Micah Parsons. You, you want a, a team like Tampa Bay would make a lot of sense for Micah Parsons. If they lose Levante David in free agency, they're going to have a need there. And uh, I would imagine that if he fell through the first round, there's been some talk that Parsons falls all the way to the second round in, in kind of scouting and personnel circles. I would say I don't think he falls any farther than Tampa Bay at number 32. Right. Oh, because man. that locker, because that locker room could take on that personality and could kind of, and could work with him. Right. You right. Know, that locker room and that, co- and that coaching staff, especially, especially Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. I think you have strong enough people and a strong enough culture. It's been built there to work with them. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. Mace, what a good conversation. <laughs> Thank you, PFF, for providing us with that. And n- not just crazy talk either. That is something mm-hmm. that could realistically happen. Oh, man, I just I, I'm so excited for this season of free agency oh. coming up in a month. The draft in just over two months. It is going to be an absolute blast. Although I can't wait to see the comments for this because I imagine there are going to be some people saying, no, no. <laughs> and, some, and some people saying, yes, oh, yes. <laughs> that's what's, what's fun about this. I mean, not that Matthew Stafford might not have been a good quarterback for the Broncos, but him not coming to Denver means the flame of debate is going to be kept alive for quite a while here. 
Oh, absolutely. And Mace, speaking of flames, this Sunday is Valentine's Day. And to celebrate Valentine's Day, actually not really, but DraftKings Sportsbook is doing an awesome thing for this weekend's Nuggets-Lakers game on Sunday, which is Valentine's Day. The Nuggets and Lakers are playing Sunday night. And for every thousand users, we get to bet on the over for this game, DraftKings will lower the over by one point. The more people we get on this bet, the more money we can guarantee ourselves. DraftKings will continue to do this for us if it becomes a hit. So let's get this thing as low as possible. Maybe we can even get the over all the way to zero, and then it's a guaranteed win for all of us. So here's what we're doing. We're asking fans, bettors, and the community to start rallying behind this. For every 1,000 people to opt in, DraftKings Sportsbook will lower the over total by one point mark your calendars and make sure you place the over bet on the nuggets and lakers for this sunday's game it doesn't matter how many units you put on it all that matters is that you place the bet and it will go down one point for every single thousand for every thousand people that bet on this so let's do this as a community let's bring that thing down to zero and of course DraftKings sportsbook is the best place it's a top rated DraftKings sportsbook app whether you want to bet on the UFC fight coming up this weekend, or you want to bet on the Nuggets and Avs every single night, DraftKings Sportsbook is the top place to go. So make sure to check them out. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. That's always a good read, Zach. Gets me fired up. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a gambler. Maybe I'm going to start gambling here. Let's go. There we go. Mace might be one of those thousand uh, people that helps lower that over. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. I think that that's worth checking out. You know what else is worth checking out? What is, is that? Our friends over at Zoom Care. Because guess what? With Zoom Care, you may never have to sit in a doctor's office again. You heard that right. If you hate going to the doctor like the rest of us, check out Zoom Care. Look, the one great thing we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of our own home, like this podcast, for example. Well, nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter, but we all need to take care of ourselves. So Zoom Care has video care. What is video care? It's like a, it's like a trip to Zoom Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent, primary, and specialist care, including mental health. Video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. So visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com. Look, you get a diagnosis from your doctor sitting in your own living room. It's convenient, and they can help you get back on the road to overcoming whatever it is you're dealing with. And hopefully that diagnosis is nothing wrong. You're okay. But if something's wrong, this can get you started on the road to dealing with whatever ails you and getting past it and recovering from it. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us. So help out Zoom Care because they want to see an increase in video visits from Colorado. And look, like I mentioned earlier, most insurance companies are going to cover an appointment with through, made through ZoomCare.com. Take care of your health. And if you don't want to go to the doctor's office, take care of it with our friends over at zoomcare.com. Check it out today and see just how easy it is. Zoomcare.com, Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com for all the details you need and get started on the road to health with the road to good health by seeing a doctor or even a mental health specialist if you need it from the comfort of your living room. 
All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section. Before we do, want to remind everyone where you can leave questions to be read on the next podcast. Go to thednvr.com. At the top of the page, there's a podcast tab. Hit that and then click on the Broncos podcast. It should be the first one that pops up under that. Then a list of every single one of our podcasts will pop up. Click on the top one. That'll be the most recent one. Once you're on that page, scroll to the bottom of the page. Near the bottom of the page, a comment section will magically pop up if you're a subscriber to thednvr.com. And boom, you'll leave your comment there. We will read it on the next episode that we do. So Mace, let's jump into the people that did leave comments for this podcast. First one coming in from maybe the dingo, H.O. Baby. I know it's a business, but where's the loyalty to homegrown Broncos? From the outside looking in, the players must look at Denver like a cutthroat entity. They aren't jumping through hoops to gain favor with Simmons. They recently sent a message to Locke that they were looking to replace him before he's even played in the same system or the same coach twice. It's like they're shoving Christmas lights in a hole and throwing them away before giving them a chance to glow. Is Peyton going to change the aura? Well... I wouldn't say that it's it's all lost with Justin Simmons just yet. And uh, we don't know what level of communication is going on behind the scenes. So I'm not going to – I don't think it's wise to kind of uh, uh, comment uh, one way or, or the other on that. I mean, they're interested in re-signing him. And George Payton has said that keeping Broncos and building a culture is a priority. The thing with Drew Locke, look, it's the NFL – if you're among the worst starters at your position and you're and you're not a rookie coming off your rookie season, they're going to look to replace you. They're going to look for somebody better. I mean, it's why the old cliche that Jerry Glanville said, NFL stands for not for long. That's one of the truest maxims that there is. If you don't do well, if you don't coach well, you don't play well, you're not going to be in your position for long. I, I don't I, I don't think you can really make anything of what's uh, of what's going on with Drew Locke other than that all right he didn't have a good season there are questions about whether he can develop questions over whether he can be the guy let's take a look and see if we can't find somebody better I, I and so I, I I you know I get the, that that there's some thought that they should uh you know kind of keep that quiet but these things are going to get out when the Broncos make an inquiry they know they're going to get they know they're going to get out it's just part of being a pro Exactly. Exactly. You're hundred percent right. Mace George Payton wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't looking to upgrade every position, literally straight up every position. Now a wide receiver, probably difficult to justify a big upgrade there. So he looks at it for maybe 10 seconds and then he moves on <laughs> quarterback. If he's not putting significant time in there, then he's just straight up not doing his job. However, saying that maybe the dingo itch baby, I do think that, uh, that George Payton will focus more on keeping his own players as opposed to going out and paying big money to outside guys. I do think we see more of an emphasis on keeping the guys that have earned it, such as a Justin Simmons. Next one coming in from low country Bronco fellas as a strength coach, I can provide a little insight into the TB 12 method for one the diet he is is on could be classified as an anti-inflammatory diet, low in sugars, nitrates, nitrate or nitrates, nitrides, and processed food, high in protein and fiber. Physically, he no longer lifts heavy weights, but maintains his level of fitness through uh, calisthenics and light resistance training while focusing on mobility and position-specific skills. While he has coined TB12, these are basic exercise science principles, not some fountain of youth secret. The TB12 method is good overall, but don't eat processed foods, be active, and maintain 
maintain joint mobility and some level of strength and you'll be just fine. Be active, eat right, stay healthy, LCB. Great insight in there to, to that LCB. And in fact, I think I heard Tom talking about this just recently and he said it's it's just common sense eating is what he calls it. Yeah, and uh, clearly he's, uh, unless he changed at the end of the season, but no indication that he did, clearly he's uh, given himself a little bit more latitude and uh and that's that's a healthy fit that's a healthy thing you do you don't want to get so miserable in uh, what you're eating what you're consuming that uh it, it overwhelms everything maybe a little country bronco there there's something there's a Maybe you could uh, share some of your methods. We could call it the DNVR method, perhaps. <laughs> yes, I love that. That'll have a little balance in there. Probably not cut out all the alcohol <laughs> since oh, we have a bar. That, a that's bar, a, yeah. That, that, that's great. And yeah, I, I, I also read last night that Tom eats 80% of his food is vegetables. Yeah, well, you know what? That sounds like every parent, right? Get your kids to eat your vegetables. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a struggle with my daughter because like the if there's a, if there's a little bit of parsley on something, she won't want it, <laughs> but she loves edamame. She mm. loves broccoli. Oh, there you and go. That's a I, win. I, and I'm like, okay, I, I feel like we're getting somewhere here. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> we're making some progress, uh, you know, anyway, hey. orange, orange crush. Good day, guys. We need to stop thinking that Mahomes is the next Brady and the chiefs will be unbeatable for the next 10 years. Brady is a once and forever quarterback and no team will win as many division titles in a row as they did again. I see a more Aaron Rodgers trajectory where he has about 50% chance of winning the division throughout his career. Once his contract starts to hit the team, they will come back to the pack a little. Don't get me wrong. They will always be competitive over the next 10 years, but I would guess the AFC West will still be a very competitive division. Zach, about a year ago, didn't I kind of talk about how the chiefs could be expected to win the division at least 50% of the time. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. And then the question is how much of the, re- of the leftovers are you getting? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and unfortunately I, I took, and I would still take the over to that 50%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately with Justin Herbert, if he blossoms with the chargers, they would be the favorite to take the lion's share of the rest of that 50%. And that's why, Whatever happens at quarterback is so crucial to determining what the Broncos are going to be. Uh, are they going to be like the Falcons or the Panthers in the NFC South, mounting sustained and sometimes successful challenges to the Saints during the Drew Brees era? Or are they going to be a team that uh, struggles to maybe win one division title in that span? You know, George Payton has experience with kind of figuring out a way to win divisions here and there with the, the Vikings while Rogers is there. But I know that he wants something more than that. He doesn't, he doesn't want the, just the occasional division titles to be the outcome for his team. So I think all that illuminates his thinking. Another reason why maybe George Payton falls in love with Trey Lance and says, holy cow, this kid has all the tools. And after talking to him, his coaches, watching all of his film, I think he can put it all together at the next level. Be another reason why is because we know the bar is extremely high to compete with the Chiefs, and you need that extremely high bar with the quarterback too. And I would say this, if Trey Lance is going to be somebody that the Broncos think about, then I would offer that the Broncos owe it to Vic Fangio and the coaching staff to make sure the hedge is the best possible hedge. So in other words, if Vic and Pat Shermer say, Hey, our top hedge guy is Tyrod Taylor. You may not agree, but that may be what they think. Then go get Tyrod Taylor because 
you do you have a balancing act here you gotta you've got to try to win this year and certainly the coaching staff has an urgency to win this year but george payton also has to look ahead how can you walk down both paths at the same time it's really tough it's really tough and that is what is so interesting is george payton's here on a six-year deal he has no urgency he can come in and sit back a year and in fact that's what i've been kind of told uh don't be surprised if he does that but then vic fangio the complete opposite he doesn't have any years to wait so it's very interesting Mm -hmm. next one from casper fellas say it with me cost Cost controlled controlled quarterback quarterback. (laughs) and now we're all (laughs) drinking and it's not even 11 (laughs) a.m he says as we we saw in the super bowl that even with an elite quarterback this is still a team game Mahomes alone isn't enough to get a championship the best way to have a great team is to spend the money around if you have the guy who is a hit within the first year or two then you have a window to build the rest of the roster to me the best option for the broncos would be to trade up and draft the most pro ready quarterback that is available and have a long window than we would have with Locke. how say you so casper this will be the first time i get to say his name but you're talking mac jones baby <laughs> i love it <laughs> or zach wilson i who do you think who do you think outside of trevor lawrence because he's going number one who's the most pro ready quarterback mac jones is pro ready right now but i think zach wilson is ready to start pretty quickly and i think zach wilson has a has a higher ceiling Long term, and and uh, there are there are more A plus throws from Zach Wilson than Mac Jones. Mac Jones will drop some dimes, but Zach Wilson's got more arm talent. Yeah, what were we talking about last week? Uh, Mac Jones has the dimes, but Zach Wilson has the has the ropes. And he and he can throw dimes too. He he he. But that's the thing. He can throw the ropes, but he can also drop the dimes. And Mac will Mac Jones, pardon me. You're not getting the ropes. You're getting the you're getting the time. <laughs> it's tough to keep track of. Oh my gosh. But you know what? That's that's a good point. And and that's something the Broncos uh have to think about because they've already used half of the cost controlled window on Drew Locke because they don't have that fifth year option available to them. That's I mean wild. Yeah. Now they have the franchise tag option, but franchise tagging a quarterback because that's based on the top five salaries. That's not cost control. That's putting <laughs> right. him into top shelf money as far as the quarterback position goes. So you've, you, you burn that up if you exercise the tag on him. So yeah, Casper, I think you make a really good point here on this. And this is also why if you're evaluating the quarterback position, you're also looking at next year's. It, the Broncos would be short-sighted to not have as much of a dossier on Spencer Rattler, uh, Desmond Ritter, Keaton Slovis, Sam Howell, as they do on the quarterbacks this year because you, do, you talk about that cost-control window. If you decide, okay, I like these guys next year better than this year, then you're better off trading capital – to get more to, to from this year to get more picks for next year and then being in position to get one of the a guy that you really like next year and starting the window then these are right. all things there's so much in play here but like we said earlier if you get if you have a conviction just do it just find a way i mean the the chiefs i think decide on patrick mahomes like a year or two before they actually picked him yeah yeah now the uh, the flip side of that is 
the Jets were in on Sam Darnold for over a year before they picked him. <laughs> right, exactly. It doesn't always work out when right. you have that conviction. But you have to take the big swing if you're going to hit the home run. You can't exactly. keep the bat on your shoulder. Like, you know, another great analogy, as Wayne Gretzky would always say, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And Mace, honestly, the Broncos, since Peyton Manning left, they've kept the bat on the shoulder at every single turn that they've gone for quarterback. Mark Sanchez, that was nothing. Paxton Lynch, late first-round quarterback, that is no commitment. Drew Locke, second-round quarterback, no commitment there. Joe Flacco trading a fourth-round pick for him, no commitment there. Case Keenum, $18 million a year, no commitment there. I mean, they, they haven't tried big, so it's not a surprise why they haven't hit Mace. Maybe the first time that they actually swing for the fences here, they'll connect and, and and it'll be a home run. Go big or go home. Exactly. I mean, you you saw a tin cup, right? Yeah. You know, uh, at the end when he's trying to hit now, when he's trying to get to the green on 18, and of course he he can't until he ends up losing the tournament. And you have um his ex-girlfriend and his current girlfriend talking, and uh Renee Russo, you know, says, Maybe I haven't been with a man, just haven't been with a man who's gone for it because she's like, Go for it, go for it, boy. <laughs> And his ex-girlfriend, the stripper's like, are you nuts? And, then, <laughs> and she's like, well, I haven't been with a man who go, goes for it. Then, honey, he's your guy. <laughs> I want the Broncos to be the guy that goes for it. Yep, me too, me too, as we've seen a couple of their AFC West opponents do. And really quick, Casper, I totally see where you're coming from with the, with the call for the cost control quarterback, and that can absolutely work. There's no doubt about it. But the team that just won the Super Bowl also did it a different way. So th there's not just one straightforward way. Right. And, but the thing is, if you're going to pay big money, it's got to be to an elite guy where you yep. get in trouble is paying big money to a second or third tier guy. Ask the Baltimore Ravens about that with Joe Flacco. Right. That's the, the, of all the moves they made in the past decade, the one that John, that Ozzie Newsom and John Harbaugh want to have back is probably that one. Right. tying themselves to a fairly average quarterback because of a Super Bowl run. And that's why you always have to take a step back and look at the bigger picture rather than the smaller sample size. And the Ravens, they didn't, they didn't do that. Of course, uh, my, I mean, really the, in retrospect, the best play for the Ravens would have been a franchise tag for Joe Flacco for a year. Right. And then, and then moving on Broncos squared B U C C A N E E R S. Go Bucks! Go Bucks. <laughs> Congrats, Mace. I love that Bucks video you posted with that song. Did or does Denver have a song like that? Well, <laughs> funny you ask. Funny you ask because there, there's an old Bronco fight song that has been revived in recent years, and they play it before games now, before, before, um, before the pandemic the drum line would come out and they would actually uh and actually play this and play the song but a few years ago i think it was it was it 2017 or 2018 they tried to uh to play the song after touchdowns and it didn't really take <laughs> so now really they just didn't take so now they just play it uh before the games and what they and what happened was the lyrics were slightly rewritten in recent years and it's done to the tune of the northern colorado fight song and the lyrics are as follows. Here come the mighty Denver Broncos. We feel the thunder inside because the spirit of the West will always be the best. Let's shout with all our pride. Go Broncos. <laughs> Hail to the mighty Denver Broncos. Our team will rise a mile high. 
we salute the orange and blue. We're fans until the day we die. I, you know what? I think part of it is for a fight song to really take, it had to come decades earlier and stick. Like, uh, you know, Washington football team had its fight song that they're going to have to revise some of the lyrics for. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, they have a song that is the tune of the old Colts marching song. We know about like fly Eagles fly on the road to victory bear down Chicago bears. Even the Bengals uh, have a fight song that they play after touchdowns. The lions do as well. But these things all took root decades ago. It's probably a little late, unfortunately to get it. And frankly, Zach, when I think of Broncos songs, the one that's, that sticks with me is the one they can't play anymore. It's Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. Of course, you can't really play that because of the absolutely vile and heinous uh, uh, incidents that uh, Gary Glitter was involved with regarding, you know, uh, regarding, regarding sex with minors and, and trafficking and stuff like that. But for decades, da na 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 Hey! I mean, that <laughs> was the Broncos' celebratory song. They borrowed yeah. it from the Colorado Rockies hockey team but they were playing it at mile high before it was popular around the country. And so, you know, you kind of had a song that moved the fan base, but can't use it. And ever since then, they've tried a lot of things. The, in 06, the Broncos even tried to have Big Bad Voodoo Daddy record a song to the tune of Go Daddy-O called Go Broncos. They went, Go Broncos! And they played it after beating the Chiefs 9-6 in week two of the 06 season. And I was on the field and I, and Rod Smith, I remember he kind of looked, looked around and, and looked at me and he's like, what the hell is this? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Oh, God bless Rod. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So there was a fight song, I guess there is, but it's better just to not think they don't. Actually, I think the closest thing to a real Broncos song that we have are the tunes that we've been given by pleasure horse. Absolutely. Without a doubt, I mean, without a doubt. That's what makes me think of the Broncos. It's our, mm-hmm. it's our podcast theme song. The most iconic Broncos song out there. I agree. It, it actually is right. I, honestly, it actually is the most iconic Broncos song out there right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we love you pleasure horse. Yeah, we do. Uh, anyway, back to Broncos squared's comment. Can the Bucks give AB a package of M&Ms or a Taco Bell gift card for his contributions in the large game? I hate to see a guy like that get a ring and some cash for being such a trash human. I hate it even more that people think he earned and deserved this comeback. Oh, well, I guess. Yeah. When he scored, I wasn't happy. No. You know, I, I want anybody else. I mean, actually, <laughs> right. the guy that I've really come to like this year, who's becoming a cult hero. And I know I kind of make the little Scotty doesn't know references on Twitter. Yeah. I really like Scotty yeah. Miller. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> he, how can you not like him? He's such a character. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm, I think uh, when I put together my collection of Buccaneer championship bobbleheads, unfortunately I found out they're not making Shaq Barrett. Can you believe that? Oh no. He was a star of the they, team. You could argue he was the best player on the team in the Super Bowl, And they're not yep. making a, a commemorative bobblehead, but uh Leaning towards the mascot, Captain Fear. That's for my daughter. She's a she is a mascot bobblehead enthusiast. And, Love um, it. 
probably lean towards uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and Scotty Miller as the players I'm going to <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, but I wanted to get Shaq Barrett, and I can. I'm a little... Dang, you'll just have to, you'll have to get the jersey. <laughs> if he's still there, because I want it to be the orange jersey, which there's every indication kind of in the woodwork that uh, they're going to find that if the one helmet shell rule is gone, they're going to find a way to wear it this year. Then the question becomes, if they get rid of the one shell, helmet shell rule, Zach, are we going to see a Broncos true throwback this year? That oh, would man. be amazing it would be amazing i would love that and i'm not even a jersey guy yes but you're a help don't you have some helmets uh no no helmets no wow. helmets. i have a football that's wow it. okay i mean i've got you know i've got some helmets i have yes you do one's yeah. kind of obscured by a jet you got the bucks one you can see i've got a i've got a mizzou helmet from the 1990s when i was there at school i've got a south florida helmet up top i've got a Super Bowl 50 helmet, a Broncos helmet, a Virginia Tech helmet. I've got a North Carolina football helmet on order. Um, that is impressive. Do you, you ever put them on and strap them up? Um, I put them on, but I don't strap them up sometimes. <laughs> just, just for show, just for fun. Although some of them, they have kind of the faux padding on the inside, so they're only like a display. Like my Bucks one, the padding is hollow, so I can't really put it on. I'd ruin it. However, right. the Mizzou one that I have, and I know this doesn't really work well. Oh, it's going to. I'm podcast. putting this. I'm putting this on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> the Mizzou one, as you can see here, this is like a complete old school suspension kind of helmet. Well, again, right. I'm sorry, listeners, you can't see, so I'll describe it to you. The old school suspension helmet. It's got kind of a little rubber thing on the inside, and then you've got little cloth straps that hold it to it, and then you have. The yeah, pads that is on old the school. Yeah, this is actually. They wore this helmet design through the 90s, but they started wearing this helmet design back uh, with the black face mask back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And so the, the way that the, the throw, I mean, this is an authentic throwback. The way it's constructed is wow. very true to form. And that's one that I put on. But yeah, this was, uh, and it's the, the Mizzou helmet. It's got a white M, uh, white white gold and white stripes on the top of it black helmet black face mask and it reminds uh, me of something like the colorado school of mines would, would have in terms of the look yeah the big m on, yeah on the side of the helmet you're right you're right although uh they ought to put one of those really cool uh mule logos that they have because they're the ore diggers but they have like a mule as their mascot and you know there's you've you've seen some of the uh t-shirts i think home field apparel has some t-shirts um from right from mines that are really cool looking but uh not as cool as DMVR shirts, though. Man, that was a uh, that was a cool trip down uh, down helmet history yeah. right there. Yeah, I'm kind of a, a nerd for this, and this is actually it's a seven. You see on the on the inside as I read this, it's seven and three eighths inches, which is actually my hat size, so it's perfect for me to put on if I want to. And you can even like <laughs> unstrap the 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 chin, take off the chin strap, and uh, I think you need to throw it on. I think you need to throw it on. Nah, I've got my lightning helmet on. And, and the, the, the other thing is, Zach, football helmets, anyone who's worn them knows those things are pretty snug. They have to be. Otherwise, yeah. they don't work. Yeah. One more thing before Broncos Squared uh, uh, concludes this comment. Now, my question. Do you think Andy Reid will ever tell Patrick Mahomes to stop throwing those absurd throws? It seemed like the Bucks could have had three or four interceptions off those throws. The narrative would have been horrible for Mahomes, but they were drops instead. Thanks for the great coverage, guys. 
No, that's what makes Patrick Mahomes great. And typically, um, and in fact, one of them was just an absolute dime. I mean, his body is parallel to the ground and he still is able to throw it and it hits his receiver in the face instead of being a touchdown. So, uh, I mean, that if that if that was caught, that's the best throw in Super Bowl history right there, even though it's a loss, even though it's pretty meaningful. Uh, and that's what makes Patrick Mahomes great. And typically, those those throws that he does aren't dangerous as, as some of them were in the Super Bowl. He's earned the trust to try those throws. Right. Right. I mean, if this is Drew Locke on the other hand, then yeah, well, he hasn't earned that trust. Uh, he's led the league in interceptions. He doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. Patrick Mahomes has has been far from that. Yeah. I think uh if you ever go back and watch some old film of Archie Manning running for his life and getting off some ridiculous throws mm. in his playing career, that's what he reminded me of on Sunday. Uh there's one throw when Archie was with Houston and he's running around. He's, and he literally underhands the ball. I think to Mike <laughs> Renfro who against Philadelphia makes a man miss and takes off. It's the wow. catch from 1982. It's the absolute craziest play, but seeing just like the, the desperate attempts to keep things alive, throwing from any angle, just to take a shot. It was very Archie Manning-esque, it's, and I think it's appropriate to mention Archie Manning now more than ever as his son goes in the Hall of Fame. Archie's going to do the presentation, which is going to be really cool. But uh, we've, uh, we, if you've if you've been around this long enough, you've seen it all before. And some of Mahomes' stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's that is straight out of the great Archie Manning's playbook. And Archie, <laughs> of course, spent his entire career running for his life behind bad offensive lines. The Chiefs would do wise to think about making sure they fortify that line in front of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Ta- learn, of- learn from that mistake. Not uh, don't make it your own. Yeah. Next one from mile high Arab. What's up guys. I'm a new subscriber, but I've been listening to the pod for a while now and I love it. We got him. Love to hear it. Mile mm-hmm. high era. Thanks for checking in. I, he says, anyway, I did a little research last night on quarterbacks selected in the second round of the draft. Going back to 2006, I found that of the last 18 quarterbacks drafted in the second round, the most oppressive guys of the bunch are Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick. Outside of these four, the rest of the guys turned out to be mostly backup level quarterbacks and no disrespect in to them but even the four names i mentioned aren't an in, in, in incredibly impressive group of quarterbacks looking at how underwhelming second round quarterbacks have been the last 15 years or more does it make you more skeptical that Locke can be the guy keep up the great work guys can't wait for the exciting off season with y'all mile high era so glad that you're riding with us mile high era welcome aboard thanks for subscribing and you know what that's that's something that i've cited and i did the research on it a couple of years ago uh, heading into 2018, I'll probably just go back at some point in the next couple of weeks and update the research on that. But the odds precipitously drop as you go through the draft. You start kind of with the top 16, top half of the first round, and then goes down further in the back half of the first round, goes down even further in the second in the second round. And I would also kind of look at those guys and say, those are the most impressive. And, you know, they're okay quarterbacks, but they're not elite quarterbacks. And it's part of the, and it's part of the equation with Drew Locke. Can he succeed? Sure. But he will have beaten the odds to do it. And is that something you want to go all in on, on if you're George Payton, or do you want to uh, look uh, for where the odds are better? You want to make sure your, your butt is covered. If Drew Locke can't take the next steps with a quality hedge, these are all things that I'm sure he's thinking about. It's not that Drew Locke can't be the guy, but 
between what he did last year and the overall performance of second round quarterbacks for him to succeed means he will have beaten the odds. And if you're in Vegas, you're at the blackjack table. Are you going with those kind of odds when you make your call, whether to hit or stay? Yeah, you're probably going with Vegas there if you want to if you want the best odds. So mile high era, a fantastic point. Uh, right. And and also, I mean, it just shows that every team passed up on all of these quarterbacks for a reason. Uh, and also, they they all passed up on Drew, including the Broncos passing up on Drew three different times. So again, yeah, it's not that he can't turn it around, Mace. It's just that, like you said, a lot of things aren't pointing in his direction right now, including the most recent one, the new general manager willing to offer a first first round pick uh, to get a new quarterback in town. Next one from Dan Burke. Hey guys, did y'all see that Matt LaFleur hired his defensive co-coordinator based on which of the final three candidates had the most experience with the Fangio scheme? I mentioned this the other day, but that's now five teams that are running some form of Vic's defense, which is a huge sign of respect to Vic. That got me thinking if the Broncos move on from Vic, would y'all want them to stick with the same defensive scheme moving forward? It seems weird to build around Vic's scheme, drafting Ojemudia and moving on from Yadam comes to mind and then changing schemes completely. Yeah. You'd probably want them to stick with a scheme that at least had a lot of zone principles to it. I mean, part of uh, the awkwardness of the last couple of years at times in terms of remaking the defense is that you're going from guys that were picked to be in a man-based scheme to one that's more of a zone-based scheme. Now, that being said, there are some guys who translate no matter what and those are kind of, those are kind of your, your unicorns. Right. But I would, if, if they moved on from Vic, I would be more inclined to make sure that the defensive coordinator is somebody who kind of knows uh, the scheme, knows what they're doing. And it might be a, a scenario, Zach, where if, if you do move on from Vic Fangio, do you consider a coach that's currently on the defensive staff to be the defensive coordinator, something that uh, something, someone who's familiar with these principles, that's something that you might, uh, you might think about if you're the Broncos. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Now here's where I am with this. If you're hiring a new staff mate, you're probably going to be hiring an offensive coach. That's just how I imagine this process to play out. And then, so you get, they get to hire their own defensive coordinator. How I would do it is, is maybe if push comes to shove and and there's some tiebreakers, then Vic's scheme would play into that. But I don't want, if I'm George Payton or I'm an owner, I don't want to dictate who my head coach has to hire as their defensive coordinator or limit them. So if it's a tiebreaker, it would be a factor into it. Sure. But I'm not limiting them too much because I Uh want my head coach to have his coordinator. Right. And I would hope that the, and I would hope that they let the coach make the call. What I'm saying is I want, I wonder if that head coach would look at the the situation and say, you know, maybe keeping Ed Donatello as a defensive coordinator is actually the best move I can make here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that could happen that, that very well could happen. And then it makes a lot of sense because then you don't have to take a step back in terms of your player progression. And uh, and Ed's Ed has a good talent eye as well. Yeah, he does. He does. Next one from Illinois Bronco. What's up guys. No question today. Just a small request request. Please make a deuces t-shirt would buy 100%. I have a lot of friends that are chiefs fans. I would just be too perfect. You know what? We'll make a t-shirt. If there's enough demand for it, I can there's guarantee gotta that. be a way to, <laughs> to make some kind of t-shirt for this. And I do. Th- mm-hmm. and, and, th- and this is like how in 
the North Carolina Duke rivalry. Um, when Duke lost to Lehigh and lost to then lost to Mercer in the first round of tournaments, North Carolina fans would buy Lehigh and Mercer merchandise just to wear to taunt Duke. Similar thing to uh, back in the late 90s, Carolina lost to Weber State when Harold the Show Arsenault put on a show from three-point range in the first round, and Duke fans bought Weber State merchandise just to taunt and tease Tar Heels fans and Tar and Tar Heels people. So I'm completely on board with this. This is the sort of thing that happens in, in good rivalries. They, you have merchandising, you have people buying things just to tweak their rival. And yeah, there should be something done here. Because the funny thing is, it's meaningful for the Bucks because it came in a Super Bowl win. But because Broncos country hates Tyreek Hill so much, it has a lot of meaning here too. <laughs> yep, it really, really oh. does. There would definitely be some demand. Next one from Love Thunder Down Under. There seems to be a plethora of Australian comments today. Great. Beep. Yeah, boys, we're taking over. Let's get even more. My point yesterday, though greatly convoluted uh by my need to give as much beep into those beep beep pieces of beep chiefs that was mahomes is three years into his career and people are legitimately discussing him as one of the greats the dude is good of course he is in fact he may have had the greatest super bowl touchdown that never was on sunday the one we talked about but we also don't know him in the absence of top tier talent sunday was the first glimpse of that without the tackles one of the remarkable things about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers as contemporary examples is that they have proved that they are great despite the talent around them. Whoa, I mean, you have to put Mahomes in there as well. I mean, Mahomes has uh, done more than, than Rodgers yet so far. Uh, Rodgers and Brady have both been successful and hyper-successful at times with no better than league average talent around them. But Mahomes ever played a five-game stretch with the majority of the talent on offense or not in the top 30% of starting talent? Happy 2021 season and bring the draft prep, which is going to be in our doorstep before we know it. So we can place one 30,000 bet on where... The, whether the Broncos A take a corner and Farley or Sertan, B take a quarterback or C trade back. What do you bet? Well, I need to know what happens in free agency first, Mace, because that that would really dictate. But right now, right now, I'm gonna say B, take a quarterback. Mm. I am going to say that they go with option C. Yeah, that's number two for me. And they go with option C and if they do the name that I would have the biggest focus on is Jeremiah Owusu Koromora, JOK, another joker in Denver from Notre Dame, who is uh, a little bit of a hybrid guy, safety linebacker, but he's a coverage guy and you'd like him to put on a little bit more weight, but that's somebody that I think could be a player who can cover a tight end like Travis Kelsey as he develops in the NFL. So you trade down, you get a guy like Owusu Koromora, you get extra draft capital for next year. That could be the best of both worlds. That could be the best of all worlds for the Broncos, upgrading their coverage in the short term in, a key, in an area where they're weak, but also building capital for 2022 to move up and get a quarterback if the need arises.
Yeah, and 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 JOK is definitely a, a teens, early twenties type of guy, so right. that would make a lot of sense as well. The reason I'd lean quarterback right now, Mace, is just I just can't get out of my head, um, you know, what we think George Payton thinks of Drew Locke in terms of needing to upgrade that quarterback position. But man, if not, I really do see a trade back. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Oh boy, but this is what's going to be so much fun about all so this, right? much fun. I mean, this has already been a blast today. We get we get months more. Oh man, alive! Broncos since seven. Thank you, Mace, for not becoming a Brady fan. You're welcome. <laughs> Very happy for Shaq Barrett. Gotta love that 58. I, Zach, I don't know that I've ever been happier for a player having the kind of success that he had after leaving the Broncos than, than I am for Shaq Barrett. I totally agree. And yeah, I know that uh, everything he does makes it more apparent that letting him go was a mistake and, uh, or in particular having things structured to where they had to let him go was a mistake. They should have probably had more faith in him going into the 2018 draft and said, okay, we don't have to draft Bradley Chubb. I mean, again, I don't think, uh, I don't think they would have taken Josh Allen, but Quentin Nelson would have looked awfully good on that offensive line. And and one Mm. of the things that is worth noting on that, to go back to what was mentioned there from, um, from Love Thunder down under in the last comment, the, that game Sunday might've really helped the chiefs because I think if they step back and really evaluate what they are and where they're going to spend money, it's key that they've got to make sure they spend money, not only on the, on the starting offensive line, but on the depth behind it. Now it's unusual to lose two tackles. And I do think it was kind of an aberration, but it's a reminder that the most important thing is going to be protection, maybe more so than the weaponry. I think if I'm the chiefs, I look at my priorities around Mahomes as being the line and Travis Kelsey, less so the wide receivers. Totally agree. Totally agree. And they, and they've proven that they can find some speedy guys in the draft and it not, not even with the first round pick. So and, I agree. And they've proven they can win and be successful without Tyreek Hill because I believe they won every game they played without Tyreek Hill in the lineup late in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. That that's uh that's big right there. Exactly. I totally agree. Mace next, or before we go any further, Mace got to tell our friends about Chevalier mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They are part of our family and you're probably hearing how great mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia are not just your typical mortgage company. Sure. They have phenomenal rates, but what makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner that looks at so much more more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're also a small family-owned company, so you always feel like a person and not a number. And like I said, they're part of our family. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get signed up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike of Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. And you can also give Virginia a call directly at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com to enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's Chevalier Mortgage. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. I want to tell you about Hassle Cattle Company because if you 
sign up with Hassle Cattle Company, get your meat. You're going to have a hassle-free meat life. That's right. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas, and they ship all over the USA and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip beef bacon, Wagyu franks with no fillers, by the way, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. They take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So check out Hassle Cattle Company. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Use that magical code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. And guess what? If you take that order north of $200, you're going to get free shipping. Check them out. We promise you will not be disappointed. Make sure you check out Hassle Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Use that promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. And if you order 200 bucks worth of beef from Hassle Cattle Company, you're going to get free shipping and get some of that amazing hormone-free, antibiotic-free Wagyu beef. Tremendous. You taste it. You're going to know the difference when you check out Hassle Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Mm, man, sounds so good, Mace. Next one's coming for you, Mace. All right. It's from our friend, The Count, who says, any chance the Super Bowl humiliation broke Broke that free ketchup kid. Like it ruined the silly hat rock flinger in 2015. Love the count. Of course, referring to the fact that the Broncos broke Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50. You know what? I think this is going to be more like what happened with the for the Broncos and Aaron Rodgers earlier in the 2015 season where he had a dip for a bit, but he bounced back pretty quickly. He was back to normal service before the end of the season. The other thing to consider, Zach, is, and I just can't get past this, you had a Bucks defense, strongest at the edge, a Chiefs offensive line, weakest at the tackle positions, and also down Laurent du- DuVernay Tardif at guard as they've been all year. They got by without DuVernay Tardif. They got by without Mitchell Schwartz for 10 games in the regular season. Eric Fisher was the Jenga piece that when you pulled out, the whole tower collapsed. I, th- I think that's what this was. They just got to the point where they crossed the Rubicon in terms of how many Im- injuries they could absorb without it affecting them. Yep, exactly. Totally reminded me of the 2013 Broncos in that offense where, man, they, right. they dealt through so much. I guess the whole team, they dealt through so much and pushed through it, weren't bothered by it, and then it was just one too many things, yep. and it just totally collapsed. Uh, it, the The – Patrick Mahomes is broken in a certain way, Mace. He's he's having surgery, I believe, tomorrow on a turf toe injury, which will sideline him for most of the offseason, which could slow him down. But I, I don't imagine that's going to impact him physically or mentally at the start of next season. And let's face it, it doesn't appear we're going to have in-person OTAs or work this offseason. Everything right. is trending toward OTAs being virtual once again. So literally, he's going to miss nothing. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, that's how it would go. <laughs> the Danimal oh. chimes in. He says, okay, I know we heard Mace's voice on the pod, and I know Ryan and Zach were talking to someone they claim is Mace, but it seems suspicious. Nobody wakes up that early after a Super Bowl win, unhung over to go to work. Was that really Mace? Is Mace actually missing? And did you guys are pulling a weekend at Bernie's move on us? My guess is he either spontaneously burst into flames at the last interception or was last seen running down Colfax wearing a pirate hat with a bottle of rum and swinging a sword over his head and yelling, fire the cannons. What really happened to Mace? Wrong answers only. Okay. Well, a couple of things. First of all, despite the sights that we saw in Tampa of people going crazy, uh, downtown Tampa over on seventh Avenue in Ybor city celebrating, uh, the pandemic has clearly affected how I would celebrate such a triumph. So it was very quiet. Just like uh, when the Lightning won the Stanley Cup back in September, I was actually sitting in a hotel room starting my journey eastward on a crazy week where I went to spend a few a couple of days with my family at the beach in South Carolina, then flew up to New York to go cover the Broncos-Jets game, then back down. I celebrated that with an early morning flight the next day. I celebrated just with a with a, a shot of, of with, a, with a shot of bourbon that that just went down smooth so it was kind of a it's a i'm into quiet celebrations now uh with with the uh the bucks and the lightning that being said if i could manage to answer the bell the morning after two post super bowl parties for the broncos one a win one a loss and get to the bus on time which is more than could be said for everybody. Yeah. And I, I, then you know that I can answer the bell to be on a podcast the next morning. After the <laughs> Bucks Super Bowl. I mean, I, I can, I, I remember uh, actually the, the Super Bowl that they lost to the Seahawks because it was on the East coast. It was worse timing wise because by the time I, uh, by the time I went to bed, it was about five in the morning because I posted a story after the game and then I went down to a party that wasn't much of a party, but just kind of wanted to see what a losing Super Bowl party was like. And then I had to pack my suitcase and all that. So, so it was a tough wake up, but I made it. Not everyone made it on time, though. And I'm just going to say that. Uh, there we go i love it <laughs> he goes on and says once that mystery is solved i would like to thank the bucks for finally giving me the opportunity to pull off something i've been waiting seven years for i spent years secretly photographing my old roommate from kc melting down at the bar every time the chiefs would have an awesome regular season just to get bounced early in the playoffs and i patiently waited for this moment so i can post one of those pictures to his facebook page every hour for the next seven days i caught him trying to hide his laughter at the the opening snap of Super Bowl 48 and I've been plotting ever since not because I'm petty but because I'm a great friend and that's what great friends do happy taco Tuesday everyone and come home Mace people we miss you I'm here I've been here <laughs> we'll did I not the... sound like myself yesterday I mean I would hope that if it was a clone that you thought boy that's a the best damn clone that we could possibly find <laughs> <laughs> well we'll let the oh, people decide <laughs> yeah i love it uh, i guess maybe if uh, if i wanted to get people thinking i would have said i, I would have had the clone say something like drew lock is clearly the guy and should be the only quarterback <laughs> for the broncos i'm gonna <laughs> heading into the clip. season <laughs> i'm gonna save that clip <laughs> oh. oh gosh ldj can denver take anything from the dismantling of the chiefs yes score more points 
man, I watched our games against the Chiefs. LOL, Bowles watched that film against the Broncos. We did the exact same scheme. LOL, only difference is we disguised better. Made it look like cover one or two when it was roughly cover four, cover six. We only rushed four all game. The second time we played them, we just cannot score and we need to. And because of injuries, lacked the talent on defense the Bucks had. And also, I would say this, the Chiefs had Eric Fisher playing that night. And the, right. they didn't have Eric Fisher against the Bucks. Also want to give out a shout out to Andre Simone and Henry. They kind of predicted this LL. I remember them reviewing each team's draft in the AFC. And I remember them saying, this is the, the, this is the kind of draft that a team who only thinks they need one more piece does. And I'm shocked they didn't go offensive line in the first or second. They were right. You guys are right. Why did you draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire if they barely used him all year? Also, was Le'Veon Bell an actor for the Super Bowl? Seriously. And is LaShawn McCoy the first running back to win back-to-back rings without even playing in them? Wow, LOL. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's the first running back to win back-to-back rings without playing in either Super Bowl. And uh, That's something else. Yeah. The thing with Edwards Hilaire, that it's interesting because when he they used him, he was effective. Like you, you mentioned, uh, Zach, he had that big run to start the second half, yep. 26 yards. Seven over seven yards of carry. And the funny thing is, Zach, as good as Edwards Hilaire was when they used him, I think they would have done even better with Jonathan Taylor, who went to the Colts and had a really big year, especially down the stretch in the second half. There's so much that was curious about that. And I, I still think that the Chiefs should have drafted Jonathan Taylor. And that that's the guy that for their offense would have scared me a bit. And him being more of an every down type of runner than Edwards Hilaire and in space threat. Perhaps if they'd taken Jonathan Taylor, maybe they would have been more inclined to pound it a little bit. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Of course, Jonathan Taylor, that is Mace's boy. That is for sure. And Hey, Hey. Mace was proven right. That's for sure. He's a big part of the reason why the Colts can legitimately look at their situation and say, if we get quarterback, right we've got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, they came, they came close. They, 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 they really were self-inflicted wounds with Phillip Rivers away from beating the Bills in the wild card round and marching, and marching on. Uh, we don't, they're not going to get a lot of buzz, but the Colts, if they get quarterback right, they, they can go 13-3 and three or 14-2 and two next year and be in the Super Bowl. Right. They're, yeah. They're, it's like they're a dark – they're a dark horse just because we're going to talk about Buffalo and we're going to talk about Kansas city and probably even talk about Baltimore and Cleveland. But Indianapolis is just kind of sitting, sitting there lurking. And if they get that one big thing, right, everything is in play for them because that is a talented roster top to bottom. Yeah, it really is. Could be like the bucks situation that Tom Brady walked into. Yeah. And uh, you, you, now they were, you know, they, they kicked the tires on Stafford. They appear to be uh, in on Carson Wentz, although the Bears may have the better offer here uh, for, for Wentz. But, uh, you know, this could be something where maybe the, the, move, that, the move that you don't make uh, proves to be the wise one. I mean, yeah. what if, uh, if New Orleans can't re-sign Jameis Winston? What if Frank Wright got a hold of Jameis Winston? Oh, man, that could be, that could be scary they'd be eating some dubs (laughs) they would be no seafood around in uh, indianapolis though uh there's a really good shrimp cocktail over at st elmo talking about Uh, mace introduced me to that oh yeah clear your sinuses i (laughs) i I hope we're i hope you and i and and the crew are back having that in indianapolis next year at this without a doubt in this month i really 
I really hope and pray that's the case. Oh man, I totally that's, agree. That's more. It's it, it's fun. It, it's a big part of what's fun about this is the experiences like that, and uh, I miss having. I'm I'm gonna miss having that. It's not gonna be not gonna be February without a trip to St. Elmo's for me. <laughs> exactly, so. exactly. Next one coming in from the other ride, my boys. First, RIP to Marty Schottenheimer and condolences to his family. He was a very underrated and excellent football coach and an even better man. Totally agree there. Second, five years ago today, it was a terrific Tuesday on a sun-filled western blue sky winter day. Roughly one million fans, including yours truly and yours truly, gathered in downtown Denver for a victory parade to celebrate the Broncos' Super Bowl 50 triumph. It was certainly a day that I and many fans will never forget. I took the whole day off. I didn't inform my office manager why I was doing so, but I received an Outlook notification from her along the lines of uh, RSHPTO Super Bowl Parade. I parked at my law firm's office in Cherry Creek neighborhood and walked to and from the event. How we all yearn for the days when the Broncos were winning games and we could all assemble with no concern for physical distancing, etc. What was each of your favorite memory or moment from that parade? DNV Army, salute. Well, the other, Ryan, I had pretty much the exact same situation. Uh, you know, walked from about the Cherry Creek area down there and, uh, and man, just had how, how packed it was. And like you said, not having to worry about physical distancing or anything like that, because there was no, there was no physical distancing to be had with that parade. I posted a few pictures on uh, my Twitter feed uh, this morning. And, and that's the thing that kind of strikes me. I said it was five years and a lifetime ago. And, and then someone responded, Oh, the Vikings know about a lifetime. I, you know what though? I'm, <laughs> I'm not really referring to that. I'm talking about just how much the world has changed. Right in five years, and especially the last twelve months or so, um, those sites just seem so foreign and so crazy now. But uh, you know, hopefully, we'll get back to that someday. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here looking at how the mass of humanity stretched as far as the eye could see. Now, some said it was a million. Uh, the late Tom Kensler, who wrote. Uh, for the Denver Post for a long time and uh, one of the better people I've ever come across in this business. Tom had retired by then and he'd actually done the math explaining why it probably wasn't a million, more like a few hundred thousand. And I think he's probably accurate on that, but um, still just uh, an amazing turnout. Uh, seeing all the seeing all the fans in orange crowd up, people literally hanging from trees to get better views. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it was... You know what? In, in some ways, I think that day is more memorable than the game itself. Maybe it's just my experience. I got to ride on one of the fire trucks. I rode with a bunch of Broncos alumni. And so I was riding on a fire truck with Billy Thompson and Carl Mecklenburg and uh, Rick Upchurch and a few others. And um, Rick actually uh, showed me his ring from Super Bowl twelve and let me try it on. And of course, it was an AFC championship ring. And uh, it was kind of exciting knowing that the Broncos uh, had won a Super Bowl. And a few months later, there's going to be a Super Bowl ring with my name on it. And, oh, man, it's, man, that is too cool. It, it was it was it was a, it was just it was um, it was amazing. It, it was a perfect, perfect day too, Zach. Yeah. Clear blue Colorado skies. Uh, so the blue skies, all the fans waving, wearing orange and wearing their in waving their orange towels and whatever they could find. It was, it was magical. 
it was it was it was it was so cool to to be down there and and in the hustle and bustle and see what what a a championship parade was like of course when when i could be on my own and see them uh and mace that was also the day that i found out that i was going to get an opportunity in this industry so quite quite a special day man can't believe that was only five years ago and also i can't believe that was five years ago (laughs) looking at it both ways (laughs) wow yeah that's pretty amazing zach so it was a terrific Tuesday. It was a it was a terrific Tuesday in every way. So where did you end up watching the parade from? I was in the in the hustle and bustle with it. I was pretty close to the city and county building. We we okay. we were able to uh, get there pretty early and make our way close to the stage. Were you on the uh, so you were on the city and county building side? Yeah, uh, and not the the state capital side. Okay, right, exactly. Yeah, that's where you, that's where you want to be. One one of the pictures I have is actually facing the state capital. And seeing and seeing fans uh, all the way back there when the parade was passing between uh, the Capitol and the city and county building, just oh my gosh, <laughs> great memories, what, man! What a what a wonder what a wonderful day! What, yeah. what a wonderful experience that was! And uh, uh, that's just, it someday seems... soon, hopefully. Hopefully, they got to get the quarterback right. <laughs> they do. They do. Next one from Sebastian Airbay. My boys, hope hope y'all are doing great. I accidentally left my comment from, from the weekend on the wrong podcast, so I'll leave it here if that's all right. Of course it is. I just want to know which teams y'all support and why those teams. My teams are the Broncos, obviously. Avs, Dodgers, Lakers, and Manchester United. Broncos and Avs because I was raised a fan of both of those teams. Both my parents are from near Colorado. When I moved to Southern California, or Southern California, I then got into baseball and basketball and fell in love with both of those teams. For Manchester United, I always loved soccer, and I saw Wayne Rooney, Manchester United legend, score in the first game I ever watched, instantly became a fan. But that wraps up the long comment. Sorry again, boys. Thanks for everything. Much love, Sebastian. Thanks, Sebastian, for the comment. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Now, Zach, it's probably pretty simple how you got your teams, right? Yep, born born and raised in Denver, and uh, there you go. Uh, I'm an Alabama fan because I went to I went to the University of Denver. They haven't had a football team since the 1940s, and I I pull for the Colorado teams. But to be honest, at least in, in my area of where I grew up, CSU and and CU football and and basketball. They're not very big in Denver. You don't have to tell Ryan that, but but it's not like a, a a massive college state that takes over. So when Nick Saban went to Alabama, I always liked Nick for whatever for whatever reason. Just him as a coach, and and I jumped on Alabama then, and uh, had no reason to change when I went to DU because you know they, they DU dominates in lacrosse and hockey, but doesn't even have football. There's an appropriate connection, of course, because DU's colors are crimson and gold. And yeah. you take out the gold, you're left with crimson. And what is Alabama? <laughs> crimson and white. <laughs> yeah, crimson tide. I mean, it, yeah. it's it, so it's very on brand for me. It's I was actually asked about this yesterday, um, over in the radio studio, and I kind of found myself retracing the steps of my life. I am. I was born in Richmond, Virginia, and lived there for 11 years, and. I became an Atlanta Braves fan because the Braves had their triple A team in Richmond. And so I'd see all the players as they came up, even saw the Atlanta Braves play once back in those days, the Atlanta Braves would come to Richmond once a year and play a game. Oh, that's really cool. So I get to get to see Dale Murphy in person at the triple A stadium, Parker field later, the the diamond. And uh, that was pretty awesome. So also picked up North Carolina basketball that time played basketball growing up. Actually, uh, my aunt and uncle were donors to 
the UNC athletic program because of that um, had access to go to basketball camp at North Carolina. And I did every summer for a number of years. Mm. And so that's why I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge Tar Heel fan. Then my family moves to Florida when I'm 11, when I'm 11 years old, that I moved to the Tampa Bay area. That's where I pick up the Buccaneers. And I also pick up Tampa Bay lightning and hockey because because of course the lightning started expansion in 1992 I was in high school jumped aboard that train aside from a couple of moments where I was really angry at incompetent ownership <laughs> Art Williams once uh, Oren Coles again okay hockey not okay with me um, <laughs> and I lost and I and bad, that's why I say bad ownership it's okay to, to walk away and because uh, it'll make you lose your faith they'll put you into a desperate spot but uh, the lightning, Eventually got it right. The team was eventually sold, put back into secure hands, and uh, and that's been responsible for a lot of success they've had in the last decade. Um, and then, and then the last thing I picked up in terms of a, a big sports loyalty, of course, I went to Mizzou in South Florida, so I pulled for those the teams from those schools. But my first job out of college was in Seattle, and I lived about fifteen minute walk from Key Arena, so. I went to a lot of Supersonics games. So I'm sitting here in the NBA now waiting and waiting and waiting for the Sonics to come back in some form. And uh, when that's the, when that's the case, I'm, I'm back in business. I'm just waiting for the Seattle Supersonics to return. Oh, but that's, man. but that's why like my loyalties, I kind of, I picked, I kind of picked up different loyalties in different spots. And then here in Colorado, I mean, the, the Rockies are my number two baseball team. I am, I admit to being a baseball bigamist and I do, I do support the Rockies, even though I'm very angry at them as a fan right now. Yeah, that's for sure. All of us are mates. That is for sure. And then the other one is Manchester city. And that's a weird story because I picked up on them after they got relegated in the most humiliating fashion possible in 1996. They, thought they needed a tie to stay up in the premier league oh, no. and so they're dribbling out the clock of a 2-2 draw with liverpool and then the fans are screaming no you gotta try to score here you have to try to win <laughs> they oh, can't get man. The, and then finally they're like about the 86 mil like oh Oh crap. We got to try to put it in the net here. <laughs> and I took pity on them and I, I felt so bad for them. And that's what got me to be a man city. <laughs> oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> oh, but what, you know, with the Braves of the eighties and the bucks of the eighties and early to mid nineties, I had a lot of experience with losing teams. So I think, uh, I think it, it sort of tugged at my heart a little bit and that's what got me to be a man city fan. Man, that is impressive, Mace. I like that. And then final one coming in from Schweed. Hey, Kings, just a thought. While listening to 104.3 The Fan this morning, Mike Kliss said that he thought Brady's greatest accomplishment was seeing the roster of the Buccaneers and knowing its potential. Since I was 11 when Peyton came to Denver, I don't remember the details very well. I know the roster was solid if it could take Tim Tebow to the playoffs, but were most of those players from the Josh McDaniels era? So... Do we need to credit the awful era of McDaniels for building the Peyton Manning era? Thoughts? Great question, we, Swede. We focused on one draft from the McDaniels era, and that is the 2011, 2010 draft. Right. And yeah, Tim Tebow was picked, but they also picked Demarius Thomas. They picked Zane Beatles on the offensive line. They get they get Eric Decker at wide at wide receiver. The 09 draft, it's a missed opportunity because, of course, the second round is a disaster. No Sean Moreno, solid 
when he was healthy. Robert Ayers, fine, perfectly serviceable defensive end slash outside linebacker. But it's that 2010 draft that's part of it. And then the other, and then just other players picked up over time. Ryan Clady was a foundational player. He came aboard in the 08 draft picked by Mike Shanahan. Right. And then, of course, everything that happened in 2011, you didn't just have the draft of 2011 that brings in Orlando Franklin, Julius Thomas, who was injured but still had a lot of potential. Um, of course, Von Miller at the top of the, of the top of that draft. But you also had a free agent class that had Willis McGahee. And when the Broncos signed Peyton Manning, Willis McGahee was coming off a Pro Bowl year. So you kind of you looked at the work that had been done collectively. The the 09 draft that was kind of a missed opportunity in that second round. I mean, for example, and uh, certainly trading a first round pick in 2010 for a second rounder in 2009 that became oh. Alfonso Smith was a disastrous pick. Gosh, uh, but McDaniel's did have a part in it, although maybe not the biggest part uh, part of it. I would say, I wouldn't. Cre- I, I'd give some credit to McDaniel's. I'd also give a lot of credit to Brian Sanders because the 2011 draft. Finding right. players all, all over the draft and and also free agency bring in a guy like Willis McGahee that really helped jumpstart the running game. That's a Brian Sanders joint, and he did well with that too. So give give Brian Sanders a tip of the cap. For yeah, he, he, he did a heck of a job in that draft, and Macy got rewarded by getting fired. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was a tough thing because Elway – was inevitable. Elway was the VP of football operations when he was hired. He wasn't the GM. Brian Sanders was the GM. But yeah. Elway could kind of overrule him. But Elway kind of watched, learned, learned and, and saw Brian Sanders going about his work. And then when Sanders's contract expired after the 2012 draft, it was time to kind of to, for Elway to take the GM reins himself. Of course, 2012 was another good draft, but not as good as it could have been because, of course, the Broncos took Brock Osweiler. The next pick was Levante David, somebody we talked about this week <laughs> in this podcast. And of course, we know all about the fact that the next quarterback off the board was Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's tough. And Mace, we'll yeah. be talking. I think we'll be talking some Russell Wilson later in the week because well, interesting situation there. Yeah, I don't want to get, you know, not the stuff from CBS Sports and Jason Lock and Fora, but he had a really interesting interview this morning yeah. with Dan Patrick and didn't tip his hand, but there are some fascinating comments that we're going to get into on that that we're going to discuss tomorrow. Man, I can't wait for that, Maze. I cannot wait. And before we get out of here, got to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their family permit dentistry. And they've reached out and let us know how great their experience was and thanked us to leading them to such a wonderful practice. Our sales director, Lindsay, had had her wisdom teeth removed to Green Mountain Dental last year, and she had nothing but good things to say. In fact, the dentist called her a couple days after to check in on her. That is the family and personal care that they have over at Green Mountain Dental. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental. That's right. All you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. They've been a family member of our for a long time so make sure to check them out that's green mountain dental all right mace well that'll do it for us today thank you all so much for rolling with us today on this terrific tuesday as we live some of the past and also look toward the future is it a trey lance future we'll find out and we'll keep talking about is it a russell wilson future we'll find out and talk about that tomorrow we'll be going live on youtube 
at 9.30. So make sure to check us out on YouTube. And thank you guys so much for rolling with us today. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.